1: Welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report Podcast. My name is Zach Dwyer and joining me as he does every week is my co-host Brian Mosey. Brian, we're kind of in the midst of summer here now, a bit of amateur baseball, otherwise not too much on the calendar. So I think today we're going to, you know, go through those last All-Metro teams, talk a little baseball, a little St. John's football, but otherwise, you know, probably not as long of one today, but that's okay. We're kind of in that summer vibe.
0: Yeah, hope everybody had a great Fourth of July weekend. I know the two of us had a fun one just being able to, Enjoy some time with friends, family, um, and just kind of enjoying that that weekend. But um, definitely, yes, it's uh, nice to kind of get back, and I know we were able to go see our first town ball games um, this past week, which was kind of fun to see. And uh, definitely nice to be back in, in the rhythm of things for the summertime.
1: Yeah, so we'll go through that in the second part of the show. Brian was at two games uh, last week with Dave, and then also – um we're going to be heading out to Cold Spring for the Springers game uh, tonight when we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon so we'll also have um, some com- coverage of that online coming up as well but the the last uh, you know the last of the spring season that we're going to start out with today to wrap it up officially put a bow on it put it in the past is our last all-metro team so we went through uh, 5 of them on our last recording and now today we're going to go through the remaining 4 that came out kind of near the end of last week into Um, this past weekend in case you missed it uh, you know kind of during that long weekend so we have softball baseball and boys and girls lacrosse Um, I think we'll start with baseball I know that was the one that came out most recently that you put together Brian Um, this this seemed like a fun one there was a a lot of good players this year but I don't think the decision ended up being um, too hard on this one
0: yeah I mean a lot of good nominations from um, the coaches and such when I sent out you know what, what they were kind of thinking for nominations, and everybody kind of came back knowing that Cade Lewis from Sartell was going to be probably the player of the year. I mean, he was, when it comes to some of these numbers, you expect certain numbers to dip, and he those <laughs> numbers did not dip. Um, and so, I mean, he had 11 home runs, 38 RBIs, 36 hits, 8 doubles, 2 triples, three stolen bases. So you're like, okay, some power maybe he'll, you know, not be batting as well, you know, maybe he'll be in like the upper 200s, maybe the lower 300s. No, he batted 468. He had a non-base of 578, a slugging percentage of 1.052 and just absolutely dominated. Dominated the season. And a lot of this came towards the end of the season. Um, he kind of got his groove going towards the end of the season when section tournaments was happening. And it definitely helped. I mean, you had the pitching core, which we'll get to later on in this list, but then you also had the offense, and he was a big part of the offense and the reason why the Sabres were able to win against the number one, number two, and number three seeds in the section tournament to get that section eight four a title and then go to state tournament. I know they didn't play as well as they were hoping in the state tournament, but still just an unbelievable year, especially for – I mean, the expectations of many when it came to, you know, when you lose that many seniors have to fill in that many holes on that varsity offense, and all of a sudden you get hit with all these different injuries as well at the beginning of the season. You kind of thought, okay, maybe Sartell, you know, it's going to be a learning year for a lot of these kids, you know, an opportunity for them to grow, and then, you know, next year, you know, be pretty dominant. But they didn't they they didn't wait until next year. They definitely showed their their gradual process and their gradual increase of you know knowledge and just growth and i mean just kudos to him on being kind of that leader he's only a junior so he'll be coming back next year and honestly i think he can be one of the most explosive players in the central in central minnesota
1: yeah and he had a couple teammates from that Sartell team that you mentioned had such a fantastic into their season you have Blake House who um you know he hit 346 and had a 423 on base percentage 28 hits he had a great senior season uh, before he heads off to Winona State to play football. And then you had another really rising player I know we're excited to see again next year in Wesley Johnson, who as a sophomore um, was just incredible. He had an 8 and 1 record, um, a 1 3 1 ERA, and only a 176 opponent batted in average. And I know those numbers were even lower before that state game where that was his only loss of the season before that. He was undefeated, and those numbers were even lower. So, you know, I'm sure he'll learn from that kind of big game experience and, and come back really strong next year, too. Well, and he
0: pitched against the winning or state champion or Stillwater team. So, I mean, not an easy task when you're a sophomore and you're getting tasked with Pitching against, <laughs> against the, the, the state champions. Um, but, yes, also on this list, a um, couple Albany guys, well, a few Albany guys. Um, Brady Goble, a senior, he was kind of um, that leader for this team, especially after a lot of seniors graduated from this Huskies team last year. Um, he was looked to not only on the mound but also at the plate as well. He batted three sixty-five, had 27 hits, 21 runs, 20 RBIs eight doubles. Um, He also threw for 50 innings, had a record of six and three, 42 strikeouts, and an ERA of 336. So, I mean, a really good season for him. He's going to Alexandria Technical and Community College to play baseball next season in their new program up there, which is going to be kind of exciting. Um, A lot of Huskies and a lot of Central Minnesota kids are kind of heading up there. Um, So it's going to be kind of a fun, I, I think it'll be kind of a fun rivalry, especially when you have, you know, St. Cloud Tech over here as well as you know Alexandria Tech up there. So um, kind with, of
1: a, you know and with St. Cloud's former coach too. So that just adds, you know, yeah, even more fun to that.
0: Exactly. So um, and then the other Albany guys, you have Brandon Holm who's a senior. He's graduating this year. Um, he batted four oh three this season with thirty one hits, twenty seven runs, twenty-one RBIs, one home run and ten doubles. He also was kind of their closer this year. He had seven saves and twenty-one innings. 20 strikeouts, and an ERA of 0.66, which is unreal for um, those types of stats. Um, Joining the Huskies group is Caden Sand as well. He's a senior, Um, kind of a steady player for the Huskies this year. He batted 325 with 25 hits, 26 runs, 24 RBIs, 8 doubles, 4 triples, 6 home runs, and 17 walks. He also threw for 25 innings. Um, had 38 strikeouts, a five and zero record, and a 1.93 ERA. He'll be joining Goble um, at Alexandria Tech next year um, to play for um, to play baseball in, in the college world. So, um, congratulations to those three. Also, to kind of round up this uh, first team, Noah Jensen from Soc Rapids Rice. He's a senior. Um, definitely showed that leadership this year, um, both at the plate and on the mound. He batted 262 with a 4.03 on-base percentage, 16 hits, 3 doubles, 12 RBIs, and 10 runs. He pitched 26.2 innings with a 4-1 record, 23 hits, 9 earned runs, 39 strikeouts, a 2.36 ERA, and a 1.35 whip, which is really good. Um, so congratulations to him. Um, and then also one of his teammates, you have Luke Pakla, Um, Pacla, um He's a junior, so he'll be returning next year and kind of being looked at as probably one of the better players for the the storm this upcoming year. Um, but he batted three sixty four on base of four four seven, had twenty four hits, um, fourteen RBIs, and thirteen runs. And then to kind of round out this team, um, you have Joel Swada from Ricori, senior second baseman that was steady player for them. Batted three thirty six, a uh, three thirty eight with an on base of four zero eight. 23 hits, 11 RBIs, and 15 runs and seven stolen bases, and then also you have Elon um, Mesquita from St. Cloud, who's a junior. He'll be joining He'll be returning next year as probably one of the one of the top players in this area. Um, definitely, um, he St. Cloud had to kind of make that transition with the co-op to Class 4A with Tech and Apollo kind of combining together, um, but he. He definitely showed that leadership. He batted 338 with an on base of 393, 26 hits, four runs, three home runs, 16 RBIs, 11 runs, and uh, four stolen bases. He also pitched for the crush and pitched 36.1 innings with uh, 18 earned runs, 39 hits, 43 strikeouts, an ERA of 3.47, and a whip of 1.51. So, um, some really good. Outstanding players this year. Um, I know it was. There were some where it was, I mean, pretty obvious. But there was also some that were a little bit more difficult. And so um, the second team is just as stacked as the first team. Um, quite a few juniors and sophomores that will be returning next year. So definitely interested to see what this team looks like next year. Um, just because there's going to be a lot of talent returning for uh, many of the teams locally.
1: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you can check out. All of those names at sctimes.com, see where people fell in the first and second team, and check out um, their stats as well. And then moving to softball, which you also handled, Brian, uh, you know, this was you had two teams that made it to the state that each had, you know, dominant pitchers that led them there for most of the year. I know that was kind of a tough decision, but Cathedral's Ella Voigt, um named player of the year. Just kind of tell me what went into that decision.
0: Ella had a phenomenal season. I mean, just plain out and simple. Not saying that Shelby didn't have one. Um, she just when you when you pitch and you have a record of twenty two and four on the season, she pitched one hundred and forty eight innings with one hundred and seventy eight strikeouts, twenty seven walks, one point one three ERA and a one point oh four WHIP. That's just insane. I mean, she was named Pitcher of the Year for the Granite Ridge Conference, um, co MVP for the conference as well. She was named to the second team of All State for Class Two A. Um, she also batted leadoff for the Crusaders as well. Um, and I mean the, the strikeout to walk weight ratio is just insane. 27 strikeout or 27 walks to 178 strikeouts. It's just unreal. Um, so she's only a sophomore as well. So she's going to be coming back for the next two years. And honestly, the expectations are going to be really high after this type of season, but, um, definitely someone that, um, is taking over this leadership and with, I think four or five seniors that this cathedral team has, she's going to be looked to as a, as a leader next year as a junior. So um, be interested to see kind of how she does next year with not as many veteran players, um, but also a handful of young players that are coming up that are going to be taking over. But Shelby, I mean, Shelby Prom had a really good season. She She's a senior for Recore. She stepped into that number one spot pretty well um, after Olivia Droddle left last year um, and, you could tell that she kind of just got in a groove and she was good for the rest of the season. Um, she pitched 102 innings, she went eight and eight, had 39 walks, 156 strikeouts, a 3.29 ERA, a 1.0 or a 1.40 whip and a batting an opponent batting average of 250. So I mean, just insane. She also added three home runs and 27 RBIs offensively with a 325 average batting average. And so I mean, she's definitely going to be missed um, because she's graduating this year, but I mean, she definitely put in her legacy when it comes to the Spartan softball program.
1: Yeah. And you know, you mentioned that Ella will be back for cathedral, but there are a lot of big pieces that'll be leaving just like, um, that made their name on this first team. You have Katherine Bell, who, um, hit 449, um, had, you know, seven doubles, 40 runs, 19 stolen bases. I know that, that Cathedral team had a crazy amount of stolen bases kind of all throughout their lineup. Um, and, you know, she was um, an All State honorable mention pick. And then you have a couple others with Rachel Dingman, um, also a senior that uh, hit 408, had 34 RBIs, which was um, the team leading amount, and then also 33 runs, had some All Conference honors too. And then Kaylee Falconer as well, 437, 34 stolen bases, um, a couple triples, a couple home runs. Um, and then first-team All-State selection, too. That is just a huge crop of talent that will be leaving that they're going to have to replace. I know they have a lot of eighth-graders, young players, that got experience this year, but those will be, definitely be, you know, three key pillars um, that will be leaving that team.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, those those younger players are on that second team, so that just shows you how much talent this Cathedral team had. Um, Kaylee Falconer also going to Concordia College-Moorhead um, to play f- softball for the Cobbers next year, so... Congratulations to her for continuing on with her career of softball. Um, just to kind of also go through the rest of this first team. Um, one player for uh, St. Cloud was Allie Breitenbach. She's a senior. Um, similar to the baseball team, they had to co-op as well, so you kind of had to adjust to that Class Four A environment, um, and she adjusted just fine. She hit two. She hit four thirty two. Um, Played catcher as well as third base for the Crush. Um, she hit 585 with runners in scoring position um, and was able to kind of help out that middle of the lineup for the crush this season. She's going to be heading out to College of Saints Classica next fall to play softball. So kudos to her for continuing on and playing um, uh, college college softball. Um, also with the St. Cloud Crush was Olivia Ladenbach. She's a junior, so she'll be coming back next year. She's been the leadoff hitter for the last couple of years for this team and Rightfully so. She batted five fifty one this season, um, 11 doubles, 39 runs, 21 stolen bases, played third base and shortstop um, for the crush. She got all-section honors as well as Central Lakes um, all-conference honors. Um, she'll be returning next year and hopefully to kind of continue being that consistent player for um, the, the St. Cloud crush next year.
1: And then for Sartell, a couple names as well. You had Danica Sarf as a junior who – um, pitched a whole ton of innings, 102 innings pitched, 12 and five record, uh, but had really great numbers. Still, 1.92 ERA, 179 strikeouts, and 66 walks. And she also hit 414 and three home runs um, offensively. So yeah, another a lot of these players were great two way players. These pitchers too. There's not many that just pitched and contribute much at the plate. They did a lot at the plate too. And then the other selection from Sartell is Megan Dristy. Uh, she was 468 that she hit as a senior. Added 36 hits, 23 RBIs, and 15 stolen bases. So both of them were, you know, kind of really key important players for them all year long.
0: Definitely. And to round out this team, um, Alyssa Sand from Albany. She's the last player on this um, first team for All Metros. She uh, she's a sophomore and she was phenomenal this season. I mean, just a steady player that you knew that she was going to be able to get the bat on the on the ball. Um, and she was able to hit 548 this season with a 857 slugging percentage, 46 hits, four triples, 12 doubles, two home runs, 27 RBIs, and 31 runs. She finished first team honors for All-State for Class 2A, as well as um, Granite Ridge All-Conference and also hitter MVP this season. Um, She's going to be coming back next season as an upperclassman, and of sky's the limit for uh, for Alyssa next year but a lot of really good team players on the second team as well so make sure to check out sctimes.com for it um, you have a handful of eighth graders juniors seniors um, and a lot of seniors on this on this first and second team just because there's just a lot of talent um, that's going to be leaving but hopefully you know there's different players that can maybe you know come through and be able to fill in some of those positions.
1: Yeah, it was even more impressive Alyssa's season after just playing so well during the basketball season. She was our All Metro Player of the Year for girls basketball, and now comes back and was one of the best softball players too. So, really good future ahead for her at Albany too. Um, and then we'll go into our last two sports: we have girls lacrosse and boys lacrosse to wrap it up. We'll start with girls. Um, for this one, I wrote this one. Uh, Brian handled the boys lacrosse team and. Um, You know, St. Cloud was the one that was the most dominant in the area this year. Um, And so that made the decision pretty easy to make Grace Miller of the St. Cloud Crush the player of the year. Um, You know, she had a fantastic senior season. Uh, You know, last year, her older sister, Faith, was the player of the year. Now she kind of followed in her footsteps um, and was named player of the year herself this year with uh, 42 goals, even though she missed two games for the crush. She also totaled 22 ground balls and seven assists. Um, And she was also a first-team All-Metro selection in 2021. So kind of her leadership and captaincy really showed. um, Throughout this year to lead St. Cloud, they were able to pick up six wins um, and have some pretty dominant efforts throughout. And, you know, Grace was a big part of that. So she was the player of the year. Um, A couple other names on that first team from St. Cloud, you have Emma Binsfeld, who tallied 25 goals and seven assists. Uh, She also led the team with 47 ground ball pickups and was a really dangerous attack weapon for them. Uh, you know, the crush, they scored double-digit goals in nine of their 15 games this year, and all six of their victories, they scored at least double-digit goals. So that offense was really key to their success, and Emma was another, you know, really important part of that. Um, the other kind of main tentpole piece of that for the crush was Cameron Orline, um, another senior for St. Cloud. She had 17 assists to lead the team. She also was second on the team with 27 goals and had 42 ground ball pickups. So those three players of Cameron, Emma, and Grace, they formed a really strong attack that led the crush um, to a pretty solid season this year. And then the other two uh, players on the first team for All-Metro um, come from Sartell, Sock Rapids, and then Ricori. Uh, Bella Kahoot of Sartell, Sock Rapids had over 20 goals this year. And then she also had a six-goal game against Ricori kind of late in the season, which was um, the Storm and Sabers' first win. And she'll continue playing lacrosse at uh, Division Three Augsburg next year. And then Kendra Orbeck of Recorey is the last player on the first team. Uh, She was key for the Spartans in their midfield, uh, winning a lot of draw controls for them. And she also had 29 ground ball pickups. Uh, She also had three goals and two assists while also mainly handling some defensive duties um, and being a big part of that midfield, like I said. So, you know, she was named the Section 8 All-Section second team as a midfielder, and I know she'll be um, sorely missed too. But there's also, you know, a couple sophomores freshmen juniors on the second team and all three teams also represented on the second team so still a lot to look forward to um in the future but you know this first team was uh was all five seniors so there's going to be a lot of spaces up for grabs uh next year for girls lacrosse
0: that's what i was looking at too i was like man there's a lot of seniors mm-hmm. so um kind of fun to see and i glad that they could all have a good senior se- season and being able to to end this way so um Kind of transitioning into boys lacrosse before we head to our break. Um, this is the last all metro team that we haven't really discussed yet, so um, dive into it a little bit. Player of the year goes to Aiden Hilger um, from Sartell Sock Rapids, um, a senior, and rightfully so deserves it after the season that he had. Um, you kind of thought, okay, what's he going to do? What's he going? What is he going to do in 2022 that he didn't do in 2021? And he basically did 2021 and. Possibly even topped it <laughs> this year. Um, he finished with 56 goals, 24 assists, had 83 ground balls, um, named to a Section 8 first team. Um, he's going to be playing at University of St. Thomas next year for the Cross. Um, so big kudos to him on that. Um, but I mean, just not only a good competitor in the sense of, you know, obviously 56 goals is a lot, but he also was able to help a lot of the, these teams because. I mean, lacrosse is a growing sport in the central Minnesota area. And talking to Jacob Saylor, um, they're the head coach for the Storm and Sabers. He even said, you know, he's helped the game just to, in a sense just be able to grow more. I mean, there's more kids that are interested. There's more, you know, youth kids that want to play for the Storm and Sabers, and it's a cool feeling to have. And so, I'm definitely going to miss him next year. Um, just with his versatility on the on the on the field and such, but. Um, He's going to have a guy that's going to be kind of replacing him this year or next year, which is John Claypool. He also made it onto the first team um, from the Storm and Sabres. He's a junior, going to be a senior next year. Finished the season with 36 goals, 35 assists, 71 total points. Also had 47 ground balls and was one of the top offensive players for the Storm and Sabres. Um, And he will continue to be next year as a senior. Um, So be interested to see how he kind of takes over that role. Also on the Storm and Sabres, you have Bennett Crane. from. Um, he's a junior. Um, he was probably one of the best defensive players for um, the Storm and Sabres this year. Um, sounds like he had 12 goals, 28 assists, uh, 40 total points, had 33 ground balls. Um, and he will be returning with John to kind of be that one-two punch, in a sense, um, heading into next year for the Storm and Sabres um also on this team on this first team was Layden Othud um, from St. Cloud. He's a senior goalie, um, probably one of the best goalies not only in central Minnesota but also probably in the state. Um, he was second in in the state for saves with two hundred and eighteen saves, had eight wins. Um, he kind of was the quarterback of that defense and you could tell just by the way that he spoke to different people and Um, was able to kind of get formations going on on the defensive end. Um, On the other side, Joe Torberg from St. Cloud, a junior. Um, He was also on the team. Um, He was probably one of the most offensive-skilled players for the Crush this season. Um, Had 36 goals, 26 assists, 62 total points. Showed that leadership, and he's going to be continuing to do that next year as a senior Um, and has plenty of offensive weapons that – you can find in the second team with Connor Harnes um, and so forth, um, Connor Waverin. Um, those guys will be coming back as juniors next year, and um, Sartell Soccer Rapids also had a couple guys in the second team as well, so um, plenty of talent to go around in the central Minnesota area for boys lacrosse, and should be kind of an exciting season next year, um, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, so that, that about wraps up finally um, the spring season. We kind of start to to look ahead to some of events, different stories going out throughout the summer and then ahead to the fall very, very soon, already probably a little over a month away before we really start kind of focusing on that. But that'll do it for our all Metro team. So I think that'll wrap up the first part of the show. So we're going to take a quick break. We come back on the other side, we're going to talk some amateur baseball and St. John's football. So stick with us and we will be right back. Welcome back to the SC Times Sports Podcast. We're going to hit uh, St. John's football here. I did a, uh, kind of a look ahead to the season uh, last week, and then we'll also touch on town ball as we wrap up the show today. Uh, Brian, what are your questions about St. John's football? Let's flip it around.
0: <laughs> I guess, um, yeah, I mean, I think the main part is is obviously, you know, the, the legacy of St. John's football just um, in the sense of their dominance throughout the years, I know the one exciting matchup that Dave has been talking about since the schedule has come out is Whitewater. Um, Just talk about kind of the matchups and kind of what you expect to see this season from the St. John's team.
1: Yeah, I know they do have a really exciting non-conference schedule that they had a tough time putting together because obviously not many teams want to play them when you're pretty traditionally strong and now with how the kind of football playoffs work, there's only You know, five at-large teams, so a loss to a highly ranked team early in the year does not look good on your resume. So not many teams want to play them. So Whitewater kind of has the same problem, so it kind of worked out that they are going to end up playing each other to start off the season September 3rd um, at St. John's, so that'll be an awesome way to kick off the year. Um, And then the following week they're going to play uh, UW-River Falls, which is where I went to college. Um, They had their best season basically in history last year, and they're going to be playing them also at home on uh, September 10th. So two WIAC teams who um, finished in the top 25 last year will be a great test to kind of see where the Johnnies are at to begin the year, so I'm excited to see that. You'll get a really quick kind of litmus test of how good they may be this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last time St. John's and Whitewater played was uh, 2019, the Division III semifinals, which was a three-point game, a really great game on both sides of that too. So I know they've already been they've already traded game tape. They're already... Like breaking down film of each other, even though we're still a couple months away. So I know the coaches and all the players are really ready um, to get to that game. And St. John's, they're going to enter the year. They're ranked number 13th in the preseason poll. So um, last year, they were up a bit higher for most of the year, um, lost in the second round of the playoffs. So they'll have a little work to do to climb back up. But they do have some exciting people coming back. They did lose a good amount of people on. They lost about half on both sides of the ball, so um, there will be a bit of depth returning, but also some new guys that need to step up. Um, some of the preseason All-Americans. You have Alex Larson, their uh, senior tight end, and then Michael Wozniak, their senior defensive lineman, are um, two that they expected back. And they also had a couple surprises. They had receiver Matt Moore and running back Henry Trost, who are both starters. Some of their best players um, decided to come back for a fifth year like very recently that they were not expecting to. So they got a nice little boost there. Um, that'll be key for trying to, you know, keep making the playoffs. I believe they have um, a Mayak record seven consecutive trips to the NCAA playoffs, trying to make it eight. Um, you know, the that automatic bid is going to be key possibly, but also that strong schedule could kind of help them. Um, if they Even if they would lose a game or something, that strength of schedule comes into play down the stretch. But um I'd expect some good games with Bethel again this year. They play them week three, too. So you have those two Wyatt games and Bethel week three. That's who they beat by one point in the conference championship last year. They're going to be playing at Bethel again for that. Um, And then a possible, you know, depending how the season goes, they could play in the championship game again. Um, But it would be at St. John's this year instead of on the road. So a lot to still play out, but a lot of exciting stuff coming up.
0: Absolutely. I think one of the things that people don't really know a ton about is There's been some construction being made on um, the Johnny's football field and some new turf this upcoming year. Um, Maybe just talk about kind of that as well as um, looks like some good news on the offensive end in the sense of some familiarity from the quarterback position. Um, Just talk about kind of how they expect to play on new turf. What that, I mean, obviously when it comes to turf, it's a whole different situation, but New turf can always be an interesting, you know, got to kind of get, get it back to rhythm and all that type of stuff. Just maybe talk about those two points.
1: Yeah, they, you know, they first put in turf in 2002, and even their head coach, Gary Fosh, and he said back then he was against it. He was kind of a traditionalist, but now he thinks it's one of the best decisions they ever made, especially for a, a high-powered attacking offense like St. John's has been for decades. So, you know, that helps them a lot. They replaced it in 2012. They're replacing it now in 2022 it's kind of every 10 years they're on that cycle. Um, and it's going to be, it sounds like it'll be a little different, not huge different. It's not going to be like, you know, red, like an all red field or something. It's still going to be green. It might look a tiny bit different to fans, but um, that'll be key to just, you know, having that. There's also a lot of construction when I went there out to to interview coach Foschin, like all the parking lots, all the roads, everything's dug up out there. So it might look a little nicer, be a little less bumpy when you get to Collegeville for that first game in September. But um, besides that facilities part yeah like you said Aaron Severson coming back at quarterback you know he's a division one transfer from Colorado State he played um, you know seven and a little bit of change games last year he was seven and zero as a starter had great stats 1700 yards 17 touchdowns before he got hurt in that Gus Davis game and had his uh, year come to an end because of a broken leg so he's back it sounds like he's going to be 100 percent by um, the season opener played a little, played, it sounded like, almost a whole half up in Canada when they had um, a kind of preseason spring-type game. They were able to get in this year that had been delayed a couple years. So he's been getting some experience, getting healthy, um, and I'd expect uh, Johnny's to be you know contending for playoff spots. My title's kind of the usual this year. It'll be really fun when we get there in September. Absolutely.
0: Well, good. Well, um, I think the only thing left on this uh, podcast is talking about Town Ball. Um, Town Ball has been... Happening for a while, but we're just kind of starting to get into the rhythm of things when it comes to amateur baseball. Um, Just due to the high school season, we just didn't have a whole lot of time to focus on town ball. But this past week, I was able to go out to a couple games. Um, Sartell Muskies and Sartell Stone Ponies had their rivalry game on Wednesday night. Um, Stone Ponies were able to get the win on that one, which was kind of a big win for them. I know they were very much excited about that. Um, they held on to a 2-1 to victory, um, kind of smooth sailing for the entire game, and then all of a sudden the Muskies kind of crept back a little bit on that ninth inning, and um, they were able to kind of hold them off and be able to get that 2-1 to victory, get a little bit closer to the Muskies. Um, Stone Ponies and the Muskies are at like the 2-3 spots um, in the league standing, so um, going to be kind of interesting to see how that unfolds over the next few weeks. And then I made my trip out to uh, the Cold Spring Baseball Park for the Rockies game on Friday night just before 4th of July weekend. Um, was able to watch them um, take on the St. Nicholas Knicks, um, creative mascot name, um, and they were able to get the 7-4 to win over the Knicks um, to kind of start off that weekend. Um, Jake Brinker being pretty dominant on the mound, was able to pitch six or seven innings, um, some good offense all around by that team, and that was kind of the thing that they were looking for was that offense. They, they were kind of hoping that offense was going to kind of kick in sometime soon. Um, now that they got that balance between pitching, defense, and offense, they're looking good as they get ready for the next couple of weeks um, in the Central Valley League. Um, the next couple of weeks, there's, I think, probably two, maybe two and a half weeks left of um, of amateur baseball regular season, and then they'll get into the league playoffs towards the end of July, and that will carry into region playoffs um, probably end of July, early August, and then the you know top four, three, however many bids you get for each region, um, that will make up the teams that are going to be going to state at the end of August, um, and and ending at the end of Labor Day. So, a um, lot, quite a few tournaments and different games coming up. Some big games coming up when it comes to seedings and things like that. So, be interested to kind of see how things unravel for all the local leagues you know whether that's Stearns County um, Sock Valley all those types of Central Valley leagues um, that'll be kind of fun to see and tonight we'll be checking out Class B instead of Class C um, with the Cold Spring Springers tonight um, as they take on Kimball Express tonight um, in a fun game and they've been kind of on a roll lately 13 and two to start off the season and seems like they're undefeated at home so should be kind of a fun matchup as we get ready for Wednesday night
1: yeah it'll be good to get out there, get to see them, especially because, you know, last year was a tough year for them. They weren't able to play in the postseason, that band, but now they are able, you know, they're eligible again to play. So, and they've, you know, responded with having an incredible year, trying to position themselves well to make it back to um, that state stage and try to make a run like they have many, many years, as you see that huge plaque out in the parking lot with all the state appearances, see if they can add to that this year. But yeah, that's kind of the plan for now. I know there might be a couple games we go to as well next week, but we'll probably talk about that um, in a future podcast. But that about wraps it up for today's show. Anything else you think we missed, Brian? No, just keep checking
0: sctimes.com for all the latest uh, information on sports and such um, as we get ready for this upcoming weekend and next week.
1: Yeah, and, you know, at some point, I don't know if it'll be next week, might be every two weeks or so for the next couple podcasts. We'll kind of see as we go, Um, but just keep subscribed to the feed, and it'll show up there um, when they're done, probably still kind of middle of the week whenever – Uh, that happens. But I think that'll about wrap it up for today's show. So once again, thank you for tuning in to the SC Times Sports Report podcast, and we will see you again next time.